Welcome to the Business B-Side Podcast with Kim Westland. This is where we discover the stories of the people behind their businesses and inspiration for how their story might fuel yours. We're giving a voice to their B-Side where the grit and the good stuff are. Let's flip the record over and pick up the conversation. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us and welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you've tuned in. Today, we are channeling the B-side of Nick Beek. He is the founder at Helsum. And Nick, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. We just recently met and we had a wonderful conversation about how you're building a framework around company culture at Helsum. And you're the founder of a fast-growing startup. And when I visited your website recently, the first thing I read was our mission is to be the world's most love payments company. So I'm very excited to talk to you about how you're making this happen for your team members and your customers. So welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Great. I'm so excited to have you here. So I always start off and I want you to tell us a bit about you and your background before you ever started at Helsum. Okay, so the quick story with me. So I was born in Texas, but moved to Montreal when I was one years old. So French is actually my first language. And then moved to Calgary uh, when I was 12 and 96. So that's when I started learning English. So I like to say I'm a Texas French Canadian, which very unique. (laughs) Very unique. Um, (laughs) When I moved here, that's when I, I really started getting into computers and programming and really kind of fell in love with building things and building things on computers and you know, started a few companies when I was young, made an e-commerce website when I was 16, as is tradition. That's, you know, pretty common kind of founder story. And over time, found my way into the payment world, which I fell in love with. Yeah, you don't hear that every day, falling in love with the payment <laughs> world, but very cool. You were doing e-commerce before e-commerce was really a thing. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny because it's payments is one of those things where on the surface you go, oh, that sounds kind of boring. But if you go right past the surface, you realize that you get to be the heartbeat of so many small businesses of all kinds, right? So, you know, you get to work with breweries, you get to work with doctors, you get to work with retailers, you get to work with any kind of imaginable business. You know, we've done work with embassies, we've done work with just everybody needs to accept payments at some level. So you kind of get to be, you know, behind the scenes and really understand these businesses. So if you love business and small business and just that kind of ecosystem, um, Mm -hmm. you kind of get a front row seat to it all. So it gets pretty exciting. That's a really neat way of looking at it, actually. So thank you for that. I'm really curious. I wanted to you to give us a a quick overview of Helsum, which you kind of just did, but I'm curious about where the name came from. Yeah. I mean, the quick overview of Helsum is we're a payments company. So we allow, you know, small businesses to accept payments, both in person and online. And as you know, you said with our, our mission statement, we really aim to be the world's most loved payments company. So that's everything from the way we approach our customer service, the way we approach our transparent pricing, and just the way that we really look at long-term relationships with all of our customers. In terms of the name, uh, it was really just an empty vessel. So it's a kind of dead Latin word without much meaning, but we wanted something that kind of stood out and was unique. There's so many pay, pal, pro flow kind of, you know, generic names out there. And we just wanted something that was our own so that we could kind of put meaning behind it every day. And I think over time, the word healthsome to us, at least, has really come down to doing the right thing, even when it's hard. I think that when you think about business in general, it's so easy to cut corners. And when you're faced between a a short-term decision 
at the expense of the long term, both potentially for yourself and your customers. I think so many people are tempted to take those shortcuts. And we really make an effort across our organization. The way we make decisions is like, think about the long term, think about the long term, even if it's hard right now, think about the long term. And, and I think that's has become kind of the ethos behind the name. That is so neat. I love that it's, uh, you put a lot of thought, obviously, into the name of your company. And when I first heard it, I thought there's got to be a story there. So obviously there was. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. And this is kind of the premise of our conversation today is you created something called a culture book and you call it the way of the healthsome. So where did this idea come from and, and why was it important for you to put your stake in the ground early? Yeah, I think the name itself, The Way of the Helsom, which is you know kind of partially broken English, I think is a little bit of homage to me <laughs> and, and the way that <laughs> I feel like I don't speak any language properly at this point. It's all a, a weird mishmash. But the idea behind a culture book, I mean, we're, it, you know, culture books are something that you kind of see popping up here and there with different organizations. And what we wanted to do with ours was it's easy to put your core values on the walls and say, hey, these, these are important to us, but we wanted something a little bit more raw, a little bit more candid. Like imagine that the, the kind of idea behind it is that imagine that you're joining a traveling circus and you know, you're like, okay, that's great. I understand my general role here and stuff like that, but I wish that there was a, a manual that told me how to succeed in this traveling company kind of thing, right? Like when we get into town, you know, where, where do we sleep and what happens if this issue arises or things like that, something more of like a kind of operating guide. And that's what we wanted to do with our culture book is that it's a kind of like a, a quick shortcut to really understand how to thrive in this organization and how to like approach decision-making. And with us, you know, another thing that's really important to us is that we do something called bottom-up hiring, which means we hire a lot of junior people, you know, really early into their career. So a lot of times this is their first job. So there's a lot of kind of professional skills that they're missing that they mm -hmm. still need to develop. Right. And this is kind of a way to accelerate that and just kind of give them some type of framework to get them grounded so that they can do better starting day one. And that's what kind of turned into the culture book over time. And we're still evolving it. Right. Well, it is a, definitely sounds like a living document, which is really important. And just to give your new team members, that empowerment to be able to take a guide and from what it sounds like, you know, have some framework, but to, to make it their own as well and to give them some guidance. Yeah. And another thing we wanted to do, and we decided like we, we had it internally for a while, but we decided, you know what, these are, I think in order to track like-minded people and also give other entrepreneurs and team members out there a chance to kind of really get a sense of what this company is all about. Mm -hmm. We decided to make it public. So um, this is sometime last year, we, you know, we put it at helsome.com slash the way, which is a nice, easy URL. And we just started showing not just internally our new team members, you know, here's our culture book, but just started kind of broadcasting it out there. And what we found is that a lot of people, you know, either coming in for interviews or on their, their first day are like, oh yeah, I read it all. And they really, you know, it gives them a sense of who this company is, what we're all about, how we make decisions, what we actually stand for. And we find, you know, really high value alignment with the right individuals. And it's, it's been a great recruiting tool to even from a practical sense of just really finding those great people that are right for us. 
Yeah, I find it fascinating that you did take the approach to go with an external approach on it, right? And and you're not just keeping it within your four walls, within your team. You've said to everyone, this is who we are and this is the way we are moving forward. So that's a very brave decision, I think, and I uh, commend you for that. So you've taken a unique kind of approach to, to the core values for your company and you've outlined four values that you say when we spoke last time, there's really a story behind each of them. So I'm, I'm wanting to dive into that a little bit. And I want to start with being builders. What do you mean by being a builder? So this really came from the fact that for a very long time, our company was bootstrapped. So that means that, you know, we didn't take outside investments like a traditional tech startup would. And we really kind of built it ourselves with you get another client and you you make a little bit more revenue and finally you can hire one more person. So we really kind of find ourselves in a position where we had to, had to build it ourselves. Like there was no way to kind of buy our way out of a problem right. or buy our way out of a solution. And it was one of those things where we, we said, okay, well, if we want to make this service available, if we want to do this tool or this product or whatever it is, right, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and we're going to have to just start coding or start building or whatever is the case, right? And that really became a way of what we learned from the process, though, is that it wasn't just to kind of save money and try to do something that would otherwise be unavailable to us or unreachable by us. We also learned that it taught us a lot about everything that we were embarking on. So I think what's wonderful about building is you can really get a sense of the real problem at its core. You can learn a ton. Even if what you built fails, the experience is so worth it because you learn so much in the process. Right. And, you know, and building is not just products. I mean, it's building brand, building relationships, building trust, you know, building our people, building our skills, building our future. It's, it's just about the concept of you just roll up your sleeve and you decide to do it. And one thing I say to the team often, you know, when we hit a big milestone and we celebrate and I always say our future is bright. And somebody asked me recently, says like, hey, like, you know, I, I believe in this, but why do you always say our future is bright? Like, where does that come from? Right. And I told them, I said, our future is bright because we're building it. So, you know, we're very much in control of our destiny because we're decided to, you know, we will carve it out for ourselves. Right. And that's that bootstrap mentality is where we are builders really came from. That is so interesting. It just sounds like you're not interested in taking a traditional path that maybe others have taken. That's not what's important to you. And please correct me if I'm wrong about that. But it sounds like you are intentional about, again, putting out this culture book early. You're saying, this is who we are. This is the approach we're going to take. And being super clear about that. Being a builder is an intentional statement to make. Very much so. And I think it also comes to maybe our Calgary roots. I very much consider myself a Calgarian now. I fell in love with the West. And I think it's this kind of frontier mentality where, hey, there isn't much here, but let's build something together. And not being, you know, when somebody says, no, you can't do that, or that's too hard, or it's been done before. It's this mindset of going like, we are going to build this and we are going to build ourselves a bright future. And I think it it very much goes with that, that Alberta kind of ethos of being at the frontier and and building something from nothing. Yeah. When somebody tells you it's too hard, does that kind of fuel you a little bit? Very much so. I think you get that (laughs) underdog going. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Calgary is a lot like Texas actually. So this is kind of a neat alignment you got going on here. (laughs) So another one of your values is choosing the harder path. 
Right. And I'm not sure I've heard of that as really a value before. Why is choosing a harder path important to you? I think that we live in the world of shortcuts and we live in a world of easy and we live in a world of comfort. I mean, now even, you know, lately it's almost feels like we live in a world of get rich quick kind of thing, right? Very true. And the problem is that I think ultimately what defines both professional success, company success, and just success for in your own life is really when you embrace the challenge, when you embrace difficulty, when you embrace resilience, and when you choose what's not comfortable, right? And like, when you think about we choose the harder path, I always imagine, you know, that fork in the road where you have, you know, that nice clean path to like that destination, you very know where it's going. And then you have the one with, you know, the bushes and the dark clouds, and you know, you don't know exactly, but we really force ourselves to be like, let's take that road, let's take the path less traveled. And, you know, that comes down to the decisions we make and the effort we put into what we do. Because I think ultimately that's how you build a hundred year company. That's how you build for the long term. And that's how you kind of, you build resilience in yourself. And we have no interest in building a company that's for a quick exit, nor building a house of cards. And I think that the way that you do that is by choosing the harder decisions when they come along. And, you know, we've received some pushback on that sometimes from newer team members. We're just like, why are we making life harder for ourselves, right? And it's and and the the quick answer is because because it will be re- more rewarding. Yeah, I was going to ask you that actually. Is do you get a bit of pushback from people that you bring onto the team because it seems like in this kind of quote unquote microwave culture that we live in, mm-hmm. there is this mentality I think in in a lot of folks that well let's figure it out quickly, let's move ahead quickly, and usually that means taking the easier path or the path that's that's more obvious to take. So tell me a little bit about how you you get your team members on board with this kind of thinking. Yeah, I think it comes down to, it's actually, it's been very relevant recently with the pandemic and everything we've gone through. And now going back to the office and maybe some of the the resistance out there of, you know, with remote work and things like that. And I do think that, you know, while flexibility is important and there's, you know, everyone has a different kind of situation, but in general, I do think that some of that is rooted in being comfortable. It's really nice to kind of get in your pajamas and just kind of walk to your desk. Even I find that, you know, comfortable, right? But I do think, you know, the famous quote that, you know, comfort is the enemy of progress. I very much think that it's that we choose a hard path kind of plays into that importance of that value. One thing I remind the team, you know, we have an especially young team at Helsinki, the median age is 27. And, you know, I say like, when you look back, when you're, you know, in your old age and your eighties and your nineties, and you look back on your life, this period of your life, you know, this kind of formative period in your career, and you look back on your twenties, your thirties and your forties and so on. And like, do you want to remember just being in a corner at home at your desk? Or do you want to remember having all these interactions with these wonderful peers and, you know, building something together. Right. And so we embraced the hybrid work structure because that was important to us, but I think it goes back to that decision-making and back to like, no, we're going to choose what's harder because I think it's going to make us more resilient and and make ultimately our journey more fruitful. Yeah. And just the mindset that goes along with that too, I would imagine is really, really important in terms of not always looking for the easy path. You're looking for the right path. And I think you mentioned that in terms of what Helsam means, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's really coming full circle back to the (laughs) roots of what you started there. So you also talk about being trustworthy, which again, I've heard that as a value for sure, but I'm assuming you mean building trust 
within the company, but also with your clients and your customers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I guess it goes back to, I think, short-term thinking that we see a lot in business today where trust is hard to earn and easy to lose and tested continuously over time. And I think that there's actually a demand for, you know, trust is in short supply and there's actually a high demand for trust. I think that we're so, you know, you think about a lot of, you know, say your banking experiences or your experiences with so many kind of service providers on a day-to-day basis where they kind of break that trust so easily with so little regard for like what it's doing to that relationship with their customers or just in in life in general. And, And so we wanted that to be you know, one of our, our four core values because it's so important to building that trust with our customers, building that trust with ourselves, and you know, even with our, with our vendors, with everybody we deal with, right? And I think trust really plays into transparency, which is you know, hugely important to us because ultimately, I, I have this quick chat with new employees every time they join. And I, I say, when we talk about trust, I don't mean undying loyalty. I don't mean drinking the Kool-Aid. That's not what we mean by trust. Ultimately, what we look for is that in order for you to do your best work, you need to be trusted. And, you know, we trust them with a lot of information. We do uh, something called open book management, where they have access to all of our financials. And we, you know, walk everybody through it every month. And it's important for them to be kind of imparted with a a lot of trust. If you feel trusted, then you feel like, hey, this this person, this organization trusts me. And then you're willing to give it your all and give it your best, right? And then what we ask in return is we say, we know that you're going to make a mistake. It's not an if, it's a when, because you know we are risk takers and we choose the harder path and sometimes it's not always the right one. And in exchange, what we ask is in exchange for all the trust that we're putting in you, have trust in us that we will help you through those mistakes. And this kind of goes into kind of ownership, making sure that there's no deflecting or blaming others or hiding problems or things like that, right? So trust kind of becomes this full circle thing where it's about giving trust. I think that's the number one. In order to get trust, you have to give it first, right? Yeah. Um, and we give it to our customers as well, right? And, and the way that we approach our pricing, the way we you know, give them information and, and honesty about our product. And then in return, we get that trust back through our cu- the loyalty of our customers or the retention of our staff and everything we build, right? So that's really how we look at trust is this kind of full circle thing that must first be given and then it's going to be received back. Yeah, that's such a great overview. And, you know, I would say trust is such a valuable commodity in today's world. And it's difficult to find true trust, you know, give and receive relationship. And I would say, too, that it's something that is built over time. So when you say, you know, I'm kind of connecting it to your other values. And when you talk about just building, you know, the rest of your company around choosing the hard path and trust taking time, that this is all something that's kind of cultivating over time and it's building. So I'm, I'm seeing, I'm connecting the dots there and it's kind of a neat process to walk through as we're talking about this. Yeah, it's very much interweaved. They very much kind of feed each other and they're very connected yeah. because they can't, one of them can't succeed without the other, right? Exactly, exactly. And I love this last one that we're outlining today, which is, again, we're a company of many. And it's not a typical value. I've never heard that as a value before, but can you give us some insight into what you mean by a company of many? I mean, it really comes down to a bit of cliche, but very important. It's like, there is no I in team, right? Or in we, I think that we very much put our team first 
ahead of everything, even ahead of our customers. And that's actually important because I think a lot of companies will make the claim that our customers are number one. And, you know, you hear that everywhere. You hear that with the, you know, the Amazons of the world and things like that, right? For sure. But then you really look and you go, how many of those companies can actually deliver on that long-term promise if their team members are number two, right? Because ultimately, who's right. delivering that service? Who's billing that product? Who's, you know, at that checkout? Who's at that front desk? Who's really having those crucially important touch points to those customers, right? And it's, it's your yeah. team members, right? But if they're underpaid or under-resourced or unmotivated because you are putting your customer at number one and them at number two, you're actually causing the opposite effect. So it's not that our customers are not important to us. They're hugely important to us, but it's very much that in order for us to deliver the service and the experience to our customers that we really kind of look up to, we need to put our team as number one. And that means making you know, everything, like I mentioned earlier, in terms of that transparency, that open book Mm -hmm. management, the way that we do bottom-up hiring, everything kind of falls back into putting our team into the best position that they could be so that they feel that the company appreciates them. The company recognizes their hard work. They are in this. We're very big on our equity, kind of our stock option program. And, you know, it's a very big part of how we approach the long-term thinking with our team members and like making sure that they are part of this ownership and part of the success that this company is becoming. And it's really putting them at the forefront. It's been said before where you can do an approach where it's, you know, people, product, profit, which essentially means like, you know, embrace your people and they will ultimately create a great product or service or experience. And ultimately that will result in the, you know, the success of the the business, right? So that's a big part of how we look at it. The other thing too, we are a company of many also plays into the concept of diversity. Now that's usually important to us. 35% of our team is people of color. About 30% of our team is women, which we're working hard to try to increase every day. And it's one of those things when you hear, we are a company of many, you really kind of hear two things. You're like, okay, this is, it's about we, not I, but it's also, it's about a wide set of many people that are all contributing to the success of this endeavor together. Right. So, I mean, lots of different ideas. You're kind of, what I'm hearing you say is you're bringing on a team of just a wide spectrum and that represents just so many folks that you will also be dealing with as customers. And so that perspective, that insight into building a company becomes so much more rich having a company of many. And the fact that you're paying attention to that and again, putting your stake in the ground that this is who we are. And this, it sounds like this is going to be a focus going forward, that this will always be something that will be important to you. Yeah. And I think by stating it and making it one of our four core values is really kind of putting our a line in the sand to, you know, anyone that joins us saying like, this is who we are. This is what's important to us and, you know, make no mistake about it, but we will fiercely defend this value. Right. Right. And I think that that's important for people day one. You know, we talk about, we need, you know, one thing I say to people on the first day is I say, at Helsum, we're able to drop in, you know, airlift and drop in a person into any team. And regardless of their technical ability, their background, their gender, their diversity, the immediate kind of gut reaction of the team is to lift up this person. And you don't always see that in an organization. I think that, you know, where organizations have more politics or like, oh, well, you're a newbie, you got to earn our respect or earn our trust or things like that. And that's like, the, the, the expectation is that 
and we say that to new people on day one is that like you are you know very starry-eyed bushy tail like it's a scary first day and that's okay mm-hmm, but yes. what you'll experience is an entire team that just immediately spins their chairs and go how can i help you how can i help you succeed and i'm very clear with with everyone that starts i say you will very quickly no longer become the first you know the new person on your team you know as we we onboard new people quickly and my expectation is that that torch gets passed and you become that person very quickly. You remember how people treated you and supported you and, and lifted you up. And then yeah. you spin your chair next time and go, how can I help you? And if you've built an entire organization, we're now over 90 people with that mindset from day one, they've all trained each other. It's amazing what you see because just becomes, well, it becomes part of the culture. It just becomes this obvious go-to of like, oh, look, a new person, how can I help them? And, you know, I hear from other founders and and technical people going, if you were to drop 20 new junior graduates in my technical team, I think there'd be a revolt because they have all this work to do and they don't have time to train and things like that. And for us, we do that all the time. And it's just an embracing, but I think that's the importance of building culture and setting expectations and living by what you say is you can over time create this wonderful culture where the behavior is different than what people expect from a typical company. Yeah, absolutely. And being such a fast growing company, like, you know, you're a startup, but you're growing so quickly Mm -hmm. that I would imagine having these values cemented in early is going to help you with the rapid growth. Because sometimes, you know, I've spoken with founders of companies in the past, and there's a real struggle with fast growth Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of keeping the culture stable, keeping, keeping your staff understanding what the core values are. So it sounds like this is working for you as you're growing quickly as well. It is. And I think, I mean, it's, it's not without effort. Certainly it's one of those things where the entire organization needs to embrace it mm-hmm. and you have to commit to it. It's so easy. Once again, choosing the easy path and going like, okay, yeah, we've got our culture book. We did that. They can read it. Let's move on. And it's like, no, no, no. Even with my busy schedule, and I'm hoping to do this as long as humanly possible, <laughs> you know, every person that joins the organization, I spend, you know, time with them having these conversations. And I make my executives in, you know, embrace that as well. And they step up and they have conversations with all the new team members as well. And they go through the core values with them. They go through where they came from, the stories behind them, the importance of it all. Because I think that really, how many companies do you hear where that's the first conversations on day one. And right. by setting that tone, it's going like, no, this matters to us. This is not just a poster on a wall. This is actually the real deal. And that kind of sets the tone day one. Yeah. It's that walking the talk, right? Exactly. We all heard that before, but when it comes down to actually doing it, I think it's not as common. So that's awesome. That, I'm, I'm so happy we've had this conversation. I kind of want to bring it full circle Because here at the Business B-Side, we really value story. And I want to know how important it is for your personal story and your values to connect to your business. I know you created this culture book, but I want to know how you personally connect to all of this. Yeah, I think it's funny because the line between the founder and the business is very blurry sometimes, both in terms of the work and when does work stop and when does, you know, <laughs> when does personal time begin is, is a, I think that's part of the deal you make when you go into a journey <laughs> like this is like yes. that line is going to be very blurry. And I think in terms of same thing with, it comes to the, the values and the culture and everything. Like, I think ultimately, if you look at the job of a founder CEO, you can break it down into a couple of key things, right? 
you have to set direction and vision for the company. That's really you know important. So people know where the ship is going <laughs> and sure. what, you know, where to row towards. You have to put together an excellent team. I think that especially with your executives, your leaders, your managers, I think that's really important. And the team that embraces both the vision and the values of the company so that they are ultimately making the right decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And then ultimately you are the kind of the steward of the culture. And I really think that that's something that, is sometimes overlooked about the, the sheer importance of that because you will quickly, you know, if you find success, you will quickly lose your ability to make all the decisions that goes away very quickly. And you don't want to be in that position because you want to be, you don't want to be the bottleneck of all the potential success that's out there for you and your team. And the only way for them to, you can't create a book that's like, when faced with this problem, choose this. And what, you know, like you can't create this kind of, the only way to create a kind of, decision system is through culture because ultimately that's what culture is culture is how people are making decisions when no one's looking yes absolutely that's that's a way to to look at it so i think that ultimately i've tried in terms of how my personal stories and my value connect to the business i think ultimately i've tried to distill it down to like what's really important to me and what i think will ultimately make this a great place to work and a great place to to sign up at and a great place to you know build a nice giant awesome company right here in Calgary. And I've tried to distill those things into what is now today, our culture book. Yeah. You know, I so enjoy this conversation because, you know, we're not talking about payments that would have been maybe a little dry (laughs) for 30 minutes, but we're talking about culture and the fact that you have outlined what's important to you and you've been transparent in this conversation about where you're going and that you've made this foundational to who you are. And it's a very public declaration. I said previously, I think it's a very brave thing to do. And I think it's very admirable. And I, I would expect, and I'm not sure how you feel about this, but we may be seeing more of this from other companies as we move forward. And as these things become more and more important to folks who are looking to join up and work for a company that is founded on these kinds of values and principles? I think so. I think that we're moving into an era where it's not just about the bottom line. It's very much about, do you believe in the mission of what you're part of? And that's not just for, you know, nonprofits or, you know, educational work or some of the more aspirational things out there. You can find aspiration, you can find meaning in a payments company. And I think you're going to see more of that. People really realize that this new generation of young people really are focused on living a life that has more meaning to them. Yeah. And we want to be that organization where they can find great meaning in their work. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I think that's a perfect place to kind of end this conversation and all the best to you as we're going to be watching you kind of move forward with this culture book and check back with you. I think it'd be neat to check back with you uh, down the road and see as you're continuing to grow and, and expand and, and how this is evolving. So Thank you so much, Nick, for being on the podcast today. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and and sharing some of your B-side at Hellsome. And of course, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Wouldn't be the same without you. See you next time on the Business B-Side podcast. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for tuning in to the Business B-Side podcast with Kim Westland. This broadcast is sponsored by Channel One Productions, a company dedicated to helping people succeed through coaching, crafting stories, and creating solutions.
You can reach out anytime, Kim at channel1.ca, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to The Business B-Side on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your own favorite podcatcher. Catch you next time on The B-Side.